0: Contracts was really brief today, Uh, we only have one case, and we only have one more case tomorrow before Contracts is done for the semester, and we're going to prep for our final. And so that's pretty exciting, um, but uh, because of that, this episode is going to be fairly short. Uh, If you recall from our last couple of episodes, we are talking about the statute of frauds, and we're going over some general principles about the scope and application of the statute of frauds. This case that we talked about today is the Alaska Democratic Party versus Rice. What happened here? What happened here is the uh, plaintiff was uh, fired from the Alaska Democratic Party, executive director up there in Alaska. Uh, under one administrative chair, and then uh, she moved to Maine to work in the Alaska. Sorry, I believe it was Maryland. She moved to another state to work in the for the Alaska for the Democratic Party in that state. However, there was a person who was up for election in the Alaska Democratic Party and said if he was elected, he would hire Rice. to be the executive and director again. So she got excited about that, and it turns out that he was elected, and so he was the chair-elect, and he says, I've confirmed my decision. I'm going to hire you to be the executive director of the Alaska Democratic Party. You should pack your bags and get up here. So she does that. She packs her bags. Uh, She incurs some expenses. She forgoes a job that she had uh, working in in the— Al Gore vice presidential campaign, and she uh, takes off up to Alaska to be part of the party up there. And so she gets there, and the chair uh, is saying, "Yes, we're we're ready to have you." None of this was done in writing, mind you, uh, but the actual party. He said, no, you can't hire her. And so even as he's telling her that he can hire her, eventually he admits that he can't. And so she sues them because she was promised a job. She went for another job and then uh, moved up there. And so the defense that the Democratic Party is making there is that, well, there wasn't a statute of frauds. There was no contract actually written down. So we need to do our statute of fraud analysis. First, does the statute of frauds apply? Yes, and why was that? It's because her employment, her deal that she had talked about orally, would have been for a period of two years as the person was elected and then would continue for another two years if he was reelected. So statute of frauds needs to apply. Was the statute of frauds met? no. And that's because there was no actual written document to this agreement that had occurred. However, is there an exception? And the court says yes, and they adopt the restatement of contract section 139. And all that really just says is that if there's a promissory estoppel, that, does, that can be treated as an exception to the statute of frauds. And the reason for that is so that people can't just get out of good contracts because of the statute of frauds. It's saying that a contract has been made, there's been reasonable reliance on that contract, and there's been a detriment to the person who relied on that contract resulting in them needing to... be compensated for that reliance. So here, yes, there was an exception to the statute of frauds, and that's outlined in section 139. uh, One last big takeaway that's important to note, even if there is this exception to the statute of frauds uh, with promissory estoppel, then you need to still prove promissory estoppel and that's going to be a question for the jury whether or not you reasonably relied whether or not there was a detriment for your reliance and whether or not this could have been expected to have occurred and if you were treated unjustly because of it but that's ultimately the biggest takeaway from this case is section 139 promissory estoppel is going to overpower the statute of frauds every time of course it should have been in writing but since they don't have a writing this is a possible remedial situation thank you for listening to this episode of the law schoolers before i let you go there are four things i want to say the first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it